Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, December 31st, 2021. On today's episode of the show, I'm going to present a couple interviews I did for a recent Apple TV Plus sci-fi drama called Swan Song. My name is Ben Pearson. I'm an editor at SlashFilm.com, and it's just me today. Uh, most of the staff is off taking a well-deserved holiday break for New Year's Eve. I hope all of you listeners out there are planning to uh, have a great New Year's Eve, a great New Year's Day, uh, stay safe out there. Instead of skipping the last day of the year and not producing an episode, I just wanted to throw together a couple of interviews that I did for this movie called Swan Song, which I feel like has slipped through a lot of people's cracks. It's not necessarily a movie that I've seen a ton of discussion about. Uh, Apple TV Plus, I think, still needs to work a little bit better on uh, promoting the movies that they actually have because films like Coda, which is another one that's just sort of sitting there on the service, I think a lot of people just like, frankly, don't even know that these movies are really there. So uh, Swan Song is one of those movies. It's actually one of my favorite movies of 2021. Uh, so I wanted to present these interviews because I, I really enjoyed speaking with Benjamin Cleary, who's the writer-director, and Naomi Harris, 
who is the female lead in the movie. She is really great in particular. She co-stars with Mahershala Ali, who plays two roles in this movie. And the film, for those of you who have not seen it, it basically grapples with this really, really interesting question. If you were dying, would you give your memories and your entire life experience to a perfect replica of yourself to secretly take your place so your family would not have to suffer through the experience of losing you? That is the the sort of a central dilemma of Swan Song. And Mahershala Ali plays a character who has a, a terminal illness. His family does not know about it. And he's given this opportunity to transfer his consciousness and, and his entire it's basically like a perfect copy of himself into a new body, except the new body is not sick. So uh, the movie is is really, really exceptionally well done. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty small scale movie compared to a lot of the big blockbuster stuff that we saw this year. But I just thought it was exceptionally well acted, well conceived, well executed all the way around. So uh, I'm going to be talking more about some specific moments of this movie when we get together to do our big best movie moments of 2021 episode, which should be in a couple weeks. So I just want to warn you up top here that this episode that you're listening to right now will feature some spoilers for Swan Song. Uh, I encourage everyone who's listening to this, if you've not seen the movie, just pause it. You know, today's uh, you got a little holiday weekend coming up. Maybe try to work the movie in somewhere, uh, fit it into your schedules because it's definitely worth your time and then come back and listen to this. Um, there's also a brief spoiler about the ending of No Time to Die, the new James Bond movie, because Naomi Harris played Money Penny in that film. And I talked to her very, very briefly about that at the very end of our conversation. So uh, with all of that said, uh, here is my chat with Swan Song writer-director Benjamin Cleary. Hey, Benjamin, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Great to meet you. Thanks so much for this. Absolutely. Thank you for speaking with me. So Swan Song is your feature debut, but you had already won an Oscar for one of your short films. I'm guessing that may have helped convince this excellent cast to buy into your vision for what this movie could be. What kinds of conversations did you have with them before they came on board? Yeah, absolutely. I got so lucky with, you know, how my short did and that opened up, you know, the doors and then you get to sort of um, write a feature like this and, and get it into the hands of, you know, phenomenal actors like Mahersh Lali. When I heard that he um, read the script and loved it and wanted to meet, it was a definite pinch yourself moment, you know? Um, I was so close to the material. I've been writing it for so long with so many drafts that I'd kind of, you know, you lose that sort of sense of objectivity with the writing and, and you're not, you know, you're trusting that emotional scenes you might've written a year ago are still good, but you you can't see it anymore. As soon as I started thinking about Mahershal in the role and thinking about his wonderful voice and, and, and just reading it with him in mind, the script came to life again, you know? And then we had this first meeting, we spoke for a couple of hours and straight away, I just knew I was sitting across from, from someone so wonderful um, that was going to be able to do amazing things with this role. And when he said he wanted to, to do the movie at the end of that meeting, it was phenomenal. But the conversations that we ended up having with, with all of my cast early on were just ones about, you know, connection to the material, the film, I, I hope, you know, uh, throws up some interesting sort of existential questions or interesting questions about what would you do in this situation. And so, you know, those those were the kind of conversations that I was having. And when you find the, the dream for a director is when you're talking just to an actor and they feel like they've got a connection to the story and they're, you know, already invested in it. So I was having a lot of that, which was awesome. great. 
Did you ever get any notes on the script suggesting that you turn this into more of a thriller? I, I love that it's not that type of movie, but I can imagine a scenario in which like a financier or something might have gotten a little nervous by like the raw emotion that's on display in this story. Yeah, totally. No, we, we, I had great partners all the way through, um, you know, anonymous content and, um, and, uh, Apple, of course, we're just like such great partners. They, they all the way through from writing it and, and knowing what I wanted to make here, there was never that suggestion that we, we turned the, the genre. And obviously I don't want to go too into spoilers as to how it unfolds, but, um, but yeah, no, they they knew what we were making, and it was it was I felt really lucky as a first time director because I know that that isn't always the case, right? Sometimes you you do hear that um, a script can you know veer off off course uh, for for various reasons, but I just felt totally supported in this. Everybody knew what the movie was and supported that all the way through, which was lovely. Yeah, that's great. Um, can you tell me about the technology on display here? Like, how did you develop the ideas for what things would look like twenty years into the future? Yeah, that was huge. That was a massive task, fun uh, part of it. And um, what I really wanted to do was because this is, you know, far more a human story and not about the tech. What I needed to do was have a sense of the world building in the story that allowed us as an audience to believe we were in this time where a duplication cloning type technology could exist, but without overburdening it and making it feel like this was too far in the future. I really wanted us to relate to this world, to feel like it was our world, with just a couple of clicks ahead, you know? So all of the aesthetic choices that we made were, were linked to that to try to make it feel relatable. I didn't want the lab to look like it had all these, you know, screens and computers and all this. I wanted it to recede into the background and be minimalistic. And so that was really, it was a big part of it. Just try to get out of the way of what was the human story at the center of this. There are a few sequences that show very quick flashes of a character's memories in the movie. And I was impressed by the visual variety in those scenes. And afterward, the practical side of me was thinking like, man, that looks like a lot of extra setups for something that was on screen for a fraction of a second. So how did you approach filming those memory segments? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, we and that was a really tough part of it. But how I did a lot of the memories, like the present day, how we shot that, all the present day stuff was like a lot it was a different visual style, you know, it was slower push-ins, more composed, considered framing, center frame, a lot of symmetrical stuff. When we went into memories, we did it all handheld and I wanted it to feel really subjective, you know, like we were right there with the characters and immersed. And what we did in a lot of those little snippets were improv, you know, so I would set up a little bit of a scenario and Mahershal and Naomi and the rest of the cast would riff off that and they were just phenomenal at doing it and it was grueling for them they were amazing how they did it sometimes they were long like it could be a 10 minute take and in the end you end up seeing like five ten seconds of it right but what i was really trying to capture were just these little textural beautiful moments you know spontaneous little things that might happen and try to get that into what ends up becoming a kind of textural feel that hopefully feels a little bit like we do sometimes have memories in that fractured sort of way. So yeah. it was just working with great actors who were willing to trust me and go along with me for that ride. Yeah, it absolutely worked wonderfully. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Um, 
I, I'm, I do want to ask you about a couple of spoilery things. So I'll wait to publish this next part of the interview until after the movie comes out. I'll put a spoiler warning behind it. But I want to ask you about a couple scenes specifically. I was just emotionally devastated by the end of this movie, especially the scene where Cameron and his son are drinking at the table. And then that final scene with Mahershala watching Jack's video. So I wonder if you could just tell me, you know, those seem like the two emotional, like gut punch moments of the film. I'm wondering if you, if you can tell me about conceiving those scenes and then making sure that they delivered the maximum impact for audiences. Well, there, you know, what you do with scenes like that is you hope to create an environment on set where, you know, you try to create a set where it's a place of, you know, of trust and of comfort for your actors to do their best work. And I think that when it comes to a scene like the, again, and with the spoiler thing, and and you're saying with the goodbye with, with Corey, with his son, you know, from a technical point of view, the last thing you want to do is be trying to do big camera moves or anything like that, right? So you really, you think about that first and foremost, this should be shot simply and just get out of the way so that the actors can do their work. And then really, you know, you, you write the scene and you hope that you've, you know, put as much truth into it that you can so that your actors will connect with it. And then really you just, it's all about the performances. I think Dax Ray, the wonderful Dax Ray who played, um, you know, Cameron's son in it um, and Mahershal and how they navigated that scene was just phenomenal. I, I was just weeping. I was looking around at a whole room full of people weeping as we, as we shot it, you know, and, and, and it translated on, I still just lose myself. Um, I, I lose it when I watch that scene now, even though I've seen it like a hundred times and likewise for the end, you know, you just, you've got a master like Mahersh Lali, who's, um, you just, you, you know, he, he you, you give him what, what he needs, which is space. And for that end scene, you know, we, we played the footage for him really, I waited until we were actually rolling for him to see it for the first time so he could have that first experience of it. And really then it's just down to watching a, a master actor be in that moment, be present. And and yeah, I, I love that those scenes affected you and that I'm, I'm getting it, the feedback we're getting from people is really beautiful because I think what he did and the rest of our cast did is is pretty stunning. So thank yeah. you. It's fantastic stuff. Um, there's obviously a deep history of films about replicas. Did you study any of those movies when you were writing this one, looking for you know maybe little structural things or things that you wanted to avoid? Um, we studied some of the technical elements of how people had shot uh, one actor for two quite a bit. You know, we we really researched like how that was done before and what which of those elements we take on. So from a very technical point of view, definitely that was part of our research. And you know, technology's come on quite a bit um, now. So, but I was I was always hoping to do it in quite a simple way, but not for the structure of it. Uh, really, I would for the narrative structure. I would say that wasn't really an area I looked at because I kind of. Um, I, I don't know, I felt like I wanted to sort of find our own feet with that. And because it was such a human story and quite personal, I sort of wanted to go our own way with that. And I didn't know if there were other films that had done it the same way as ours. So many great clown movies um, out there, but I sort of wanted to find our own thing with it. All right, here's my conversation with Swan Song actress, Naomi Harris. Hey, Naomi, how are you? Hey, I'm good, thank you. 
Uh, well, congratulations on the movie and thank you so much for speaking with me. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. So do you remember your reaction when you read the script for the first time? I do. I was in floods of tears and I thought, my gosh, if this is affecting me this much, making me think this deeply, then um, it's going to make a phenomenal movie. And then I got on the phone with Ben and uh, I don't know if you've spoken to him yet, but he's yet, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> he's, he's just the most incredible human being. He's so sensitive and gentle and sweet. And I was, you know, I just remember him saying like, I want to create this magical environment on set where everybody's handpicked for how heart centered they are. And I just thought, wow, I really want to work with this guy. That's great. Um, so you didn't have any reservations at all about him being a first time feature filmmaker? No, not at all. I saw his um, his short film and it was just absolutely incredible. Um, so I knew that, you know, he'd make a great director. And also, I think, you know, the most important thing for any director is actually to have sensitivity. And Ben is one of the most sensitive people that I've actually met and worked with so I knew that he would make a great director and also you know Mahershala trusted him to do this project and um and so I thought you know Mahershala definitely knows what he's doing um yeah <laughs> well speaking of Mahershala you and he are both so excellent in this and I'm guessing you guys were fairly comfortable with each other having worked together before but I'm wondering if there were any specific scenes or moments on Swan Song where you felt like that prior working relationship that you two had was particularly beneficial for you while making this movie? So we didn't actually really have much of a previous working relationship because on Moonlight, we only worked together for like a day. Oh. Um, so yeah, um, so we really didn't know going into it how we both worked, but it was really wonderful to discover that actually we work in a very similar way. Um, so we both don't particularly like rehearsal. Um, so we both like to do our own research separately and then come together and, and, uh, and just b basically do it in the moment on film and discover each other and discover truth and discover where we're coming from in the moment. So it was, it was perfect. It really was, but we didn't know that going into it. Yeah. Was there a, a time in the production where you really settled in and felt comfortable enough with the Poppy character to the point that you started offering little tweaks and suggestions about her behavior or what she might do in a given scene? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, one of the most important things I think with acting is ownership. You know, um, I think that's one of the things I learned very early on in my career. When somebody gives you a role, they give it to you. And actually, it was Winnie Mandela actually who taught me this as well um, because I when I played her I remember being really concerned about how to play her and she said to me you know you have been given this role because they think you're right for it so you do it as you see fit don't ask me don't ask anybody it's your interpretation and I think that's incredibly important for actors that you take full ownership um, and and do what you want with the role. You know, the 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 um, the writer has created the uh, the part up to a certain level, um, and then you take it the next level by adding all these kind of subtleties that they couldn't foresee. Um, and so, definitely, I you know uh, brought life to to Poppy in the way that I thought was was right. Um, and also there was a lot of improvisation in the script as well. So there's a lot of room 
to add um, dialogue that I felt Poppy would use. I was going to ask you about improv because the movie just feels so natural and, and sort of free flowing. So what was the, the filming like, the filming experience like for you? Was it really just like you guys sort of finding a lot of it in the day? Um, I mean, your initial reaction to the script leads me to believe that most of the bones of the thing were there. But um, what was the filming experience like for you? Um, so the, the, the script was completely written with all the dialogue. So we have all those scenes and those are all... I mean, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I, I imagine those are all still in in the the, the final edit. Um, but in addition to that, then we do improv scenes as well. Because um, I, I don't think it, I mean, actually some directors have really done amazing movies where it's all based on improv. But generally, I think it works best when you really have the structure of the script. You know, the mm -hmm. script is your real um, Bible and, and that really has to guide and lead you. And you, you have to lean on that. Yeah, yeah. Was it a quick shoot for you? Do you remember how many days you shot? I think, I believe it was like three months, wow, I want to okay. say. Yeah. Um, and it was in Vancouver. And um, yeah, it was it was a very unusual time, obviously, because it was during COVID. So there was no kind of, I mean, we were encouraged not to go to restaurants. So not not to go out, not to hang out with many people and if you were hanging out with anybody then to do it outside so it was kind of like you're making this movie that's all about deep connections in a time where you're not really allowed to have connections with people so it was really interesting <laughs> yeah and man this is just such a profoundly human story this movie and your character in particular I think deals with some really heavy emotions as she grapples with this death that's that's happened in her family and from an outsider's perspective it seems like those vulnerable scenes may have been the toughest for you to pull off, but I'm curious if that was actually the case or if another scene maybe proved to be more difficult to get right. Um, I think that I did struggle, if I'm honest, with the vulnerability of Poppy um, because, you know, in terms of like my body of work, it's it's really, I generally gravitate towards playing strong characters, strident characters. Um, and so, having to inhabit a character that is so open, that is so vulnerable, um, that's so centered in her heart. I really did struggle with that. Um, but actually one of the lessons, the main lesson that Poppy taught me was actually there's such strength in that vulnerability. Um, and that she really took me on a journey, this character to learn that. And she taught me about being a better human being by being more vulnerable in my everyday life. And that's one, one of the wonderful things about this profession. Every character you, you play teaches you something about yourself and takes you on an amazing journey. Was the, um, I found this movie, the experience of watching this to be so refreshing because in today's um, sort of, uh, I don't know what you would call it, bombastic movie going landscape, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of noise out there. And this movie is so small scale, but in really the best possible way where it just feels like it's dealing with genuine human human interactions and human emotions and connection like you were talking about before. Um, did that, was that an element of this script that drew you to this part as well? Yeah, definitely. And also because I just think so many of the movies that we have that are about love are about the initial stages of love. So, you know, um, you don't really see movies that are about this kind of depth of connection where a couple have been together you know for decades mm -hmm. and know each other inside out and out and are willing to um 
really sacrifice their own happiness for the happiness of their partner. And I think, you know, it's a reminder about what true love really is about. Yeah, that's great. Um, I finally caught up with No Time to Die recently, and it easily vaulted into, you know, my favorite Bond films ever. I, I loved it so much. And I'm going to put a spoiler warning in front of this, but now that the film has been out for a while and people can see it at home, I wanted to ask you about that final scene in that movie where you all gather around and toast Bond's memory. That's a really super unique scene that will probably never be replicated in another Bond movie. So I'm just wondering from your perspective, what was the mood like on the set and what was it like, you know, filming that cinematic send off? It was actually really somber. I think, you know, it was, yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, when you're watching it, it feels incredibly somber and, and, um, and the really special moment, like you say, and I think we really felt that as well. Um, and we all felt kind of at a loss as well because we've lost we've lost 007. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have no idea who's going to be the next 007 or which direction the movies are going to go in, um, you know, whether we're going to be in them or not. We don't know. Uh, so, yeah, it was very somber for us. Well, I love your work in that film. I loved your work so much in Swan Song. And thank you so much for speaking with me. And uh, okay. congratulations again on the movie. Thank you, Ben. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Sure. Take care. Take care. All right. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Thank you so much for listening uh, to Slash Film Daily all throughout 2021, this weird godforsaken year. Uh, hopefully everybody has a better 2022. And yes, stay safe out there. Have a great New Year's Eve. And you can find a little bit more about Swan Song at SlashFilm.com. I will link to the written version of these interviews in the show notes in case you want to share them around. I appreciate that. Slash Film Daily is normally published every weekday, bringing you the most exciting news from the world of movies and TV, as well as deeper dives into the great features you can find on the site. You can subscribe to the show on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all of the popular podcast apps. Send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, and mailbag topics to us at peter at SlashFilm.com. Make sure to leave your name and general geographic location in case we mention your email on the air. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. Have a great New Year's, and we will see you guys in 2022.